This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by the Friends of the Magic Word. Those are the ones who, with their financial support, both in pledges and donations, help keep this podcast free and open to the rest of the world. Thank you guys very much, guys and gals, for helping to keep uh, this going. I want to welcome this week Ted Danger, who has joined the Friends of the Magic Word. Thank you and welcome, Ted. Glad that you are now part of the group then as well. So thank all of you, and if you can help us in any small way, or large way, it would be greatly appreciated. You can just go to the magicwordpodcast.com. You'll see a link there that says become a friend of the Magic Word. See a video where it explains a little bit more details about why we could use your support. We are also brought to you this week by Magic at the Beach. That convention is going to be coming up. Gosh, just like next week, it's going to be October 5th, 6th, and 7th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You don't want to miss that. Let me also point out that although Charles Bach and I have been talking the last few weeks on the podcast about the great talent they're going to be having, the contests and the location, and many reasons why you should come, if you are a golfer at all, you should seriously consider perhaps coming early and or staying late and taking advantage of some of the wonderful public golf courses that are available there. Myrtle Beach is a premier location if you're a golfer of any place in the world that people travel just to come over here and play golf. And you get the advantage not only of playing golf, but of seeing a stellar lineup of some great talent. So if you're a golfer, think about that. I'm actually coming in a little bit early and going to play a round of golf myself while I'm there. Well, speaking of a few things that uh, I've been doing, I did just get back from uh, Germany and oh my goodness, such a lovely time. I wish I had time to share with you all of the many experiences I had and an opportunity to uh, meet with several magicians uh, while I was uh, there and I enjoyed Oktoberfest for a few days and then lectured to the group in Munich thanks to Yui Sperlich and uh, Gunden. Thank you uh, very much for uh, hosting me. It was a wonderful group. We had about 40 people there at the lecture and then uh, we drove up uh, through Prague, spent the night there beautiful city, uh, then on into Berlin, and there I had Freddie Roots, who was my host, and got to, uh, he showed us around the city, uh, the uh, Berlin Marathon was going on, but we went over to the Brandenburg Gate, where that is the uh, Checkpoint Charlie over in that way, and see some of the remnants of the, uh, of the wall, the uh, East and West Berlin Wall, and then I lectured to a group of about 20 enthusiastic magicians then on that Friday evening. I guess it would have been a little bit larger group, but they had another lecture just the night before on Thursday, so it was kind of back-to-back there. So I appreciate everyone who did come out. Uh, From there, we headed down to the south into the Alps and actually through Garmisch and into Austria and then over to Neuschwanstein Castle, which is the fairy tale castle that the uh, Disney castle is based upon, Cinderella's Castle. It's supposed to be perhaps the most visited castle in the world. Anyhow, phenomenal, great weather, nice and cool in the evenings, and uh, then headed back to the United States. So it was, I had a great time with my two sons, and so it was some memories that we created. I brought along some of my wife's ashes that we spread different places throughout Germany. So uh, she got to come with us then as well. Well, anyhow, thank you guys very much for uh, joining us here this week where 
We've got a great guest, Chris Capehart, who is a street magician, but he also performs at a lot of corporate parties, uh, as well as cruise ships. And uh, at his age, which is in the 70s, I'm going to say, uh, he's got a nice little running gag that he does with his age throughout his show. But anyhow, he gives not only some great tips and advice and stories from the street, but also things that we could use wherever you work, regardless if you don't work the streets or some things that you can apply to your own magic act where you're performing inside or banquet halls or country clubs or wherever that or restaurants, wherever that you might work. Uh, great conversation. It went very quickly, and I hope that you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed having a chat with him. Please welcome my guest this week, master magician Chris Capehart, here on The Magic Word. Today I've got a guest that is someone that many of you have seen perhaps if you attend magic conventions from time to time or you've been out in New York and perhaps have seen him at Monday Night Magic or golly, a lot of other places, uh, perhaps even on the street. Uh, I assume in and around Central Park, but we'll talk about where he goes and everything then too. Uh, a gentleman who's been doing uh, magic for a number of years uh, and started out, I believe, actually not doing magic, but he was in a mailroom for a law firm for a long time and then he was inspired by a magician who had come through... Uh, Presto somebody, I believe. Uh, and then uh, later, in 1979, decided, hey, I think I could do this on a full-time basis and started doing magic in the streets. And he then is, of course, very well known for his linking ring routine and uh, just one of the funniest guys and uh, most congenial fellows that you'll ever meet. And I, I love the man because he's the only guy who's just a wee bit older than me, but not by much. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> and here's my friend, and yours too, Chris Crate Capehart. Hey there, Chris. <laughs> hey, man. Is that a wee bit older? <laughs> I'm 95, <laughs> depending on how long. And before this interview is over, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be 100. <laughs> right before the interview is over, right? Well, now, you uh, did you ever know, was it Jeff Sheridan? I think he was another uh, street magician in, in New York. He was a street performer in Central Park. He, was not, he never worked the streets. He only worked the park. Okay. You know. So what's the difference between a street performer and a, and a uh, park performer? The one don't go in the streets. Oh. <laughs> he stayed in the park. Okay. He only did the park on the weekends. And okay. It was Jeff, and it was he, he worked on a statue in the park, and he like, took ownership of this one statue. Huh. And he stayed in that statue for years, and he performed, and he was like the most... Uh, uh, He's not funny. He was a very serious magician, mm-hmm. and his slights were just yeah, impeccable. Manipulation and everything, his, his car fans and all that kind it of was, stuff. It was it was the best manipulation you've ever seen at mm-hmm. that time. You know that. Wow. No, I've heard about him, and I and I remember he was in that book of the world's greatest magic. Yeah. You know, some time ago was when yeah. I first had heard of him, and never got a chance to go out and see him. So working in the park, do you have a different kind of clientele? Well, you got people walking through the park and stuff like that, and they they give you um, and and I guess when you ask for donations at the end, um, they give you what they got, and they got kids in the park, whatever. But it was only in the park. I I. Everyone used to say, go to the park to see Jeff, and I went to the park to see on Jeff, so I thought, hey, this is cool, let me try that. Mm-hmm. I, I only knew one trick, so. What was that one trick? Uh, I used to take a, 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 a. With the red silk? Yeah, and you know how, the, you know the method. Yeah, and, and, I, used to, and I used to vanish it and make it appear, vanish it and make it that appear. That was your one and only. I didn't know any other tricks, that was it. Mm-hmm. And I had to put that together because uh, I got something to do salt with. Oh. I was supposed to vanish salt, and then I was supposed to put a. Um, uh, a piece of cloth inside and cut it or burn it or put a cigarette inside something yep. like that well I don't smoke 
Mm-hmm. I didn't smoke. You know, what I'm I didn't have anything else, but I did have the, the same cloth I was using. Mm-hmm. So I started putting the cloth inside, and boom, boom. The next thing you know, it became a phenomenon. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, I mean, I had more magicians copying this routine <laughs> than you've ever want to see just by putting the silk inside, making advance, and I put a whole story to it. Yeah, I used to, I used to tell people, you want to see how this works? I wasn't going to tell my works for real, but it would get them to come up and. And I would bait them in and say, hey, I'm going to tell you how this works. And then I'd lead them down this path. I never told them. Right. Well, when you have one trick, you have to, it's all about presentation, it's all about, about presentation. personality. Exactly. There's try nothing to get else. Them to stay. There's nothing else. Yeah. You, present, you, you have to build up it's all personality, how you talk, and everything to make them stay. And at the end, if they gave you money, you're successful. Did it's you a, have some sort of a great way of asking for uh, tips at the oh, end? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always start off with a very simple thing. I mean, before I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I saw Jeff in the park, and, so, and I thought I'd do the same thing. I got into a fight with Jeff. Did you really? Physical? Physical fight. Fisticuffs. Okay. Yeah, because Jeff and I disagreed on a couple of things, and, and I have to admit now that I'm old enough to admit Jeff was right because mm-hmm. um, uh, I just jumped on the statue, so he showed up, and I was like, first come, first service, not your statue. Right. But, of course, he was there for all that long time, so I gave him respect at the end and said, you know what, you're right. And it dawned on me one day that I was walking down the street of 44 from Broadway, and I said, all the people are here seven days a week. The park was only a weekend thing. Mm-hmm. So I stopped right there on 44 from Broadway and started doing magic. And behold, about an hour later, I made like $300. And I wow. Like, so I said, whoa, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't need to go to the park. So I, Exactly. So the next for the next three years, that's where I was, 44 from Broadway, right across the street from Tanner's. Now, I have talked with Doug Kahn and many others who have worked, uh, well, Cosmo and a lot of uh, street yeah. magicians, that, and I know there are different places that some people stay. I mean, Doug lives in New Orleans, yeah. and there are a lot of magicians who might migrate through, like Cellini and others, you know, yeah, Gazo, et cetera. Yeah, you I do travel. travel about I it. travel. Do you travel? travel. Yeah, okay. I Chicago. I, I worked on the streets of Chicago. I worked at the, the, the Taste of Chicago. I, I worked in uh, New Orleans doing the festivals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I worked in Florida. Uh, I, then I would go to California and work the beach mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So when it got cold, I would go to California, Florida, or Key West, or someplace. Key West. Right yeah. But um, this this moving around took a lot. Mm-hmm. It took a whole lot. I did that for. You look great for thirty two. <laughs> <laughs> By the time, give me ten minutes, I'll be sixty four. <laughs> but uh, you'd be surprised how this takes a toll on your life. Mm. So I got so? I got married at around twenty. Okay. And uh, still with the same lady? No, 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 no. She had. A, she gave me a choice. She didn't like magic. Huh? She wanted me to stay in the mail room. Mm-hmm. The mail room where I can go there. I can come in a suit. Have a nine to five job. Sit, had a nine to five job. It was paying me decent money in New York City. Insurance. I was, and I was all living. That. In, I was living at Park Slope, which was kind of expensive. So it was in Brooklyn, and uh, it was okay. And then I had uh, no. It wasn't working out too well because she hated the magic part. Mm. And so I guess she gave me an ultimatum one day and said to me, you know, hey, it's magical me. And I said, boy, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> Not a hard decision. It wasn't even like. close. <laughs> it wasn't even close. I yeah. get, uh, let's face it, I can get a woman. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, magic was, even then, so much of a part of your life. It was part of my life. It, it, was, it was everything. So I enjoyed magic a lot. Man. You knew right away. When you saw Presto, that it. was it, huh? He put a sponge ball in my hand, and when it opened up, I said, okay. 
I got to learn to do that. Yeah, I'm all in. I was like <laughs> floored, man. I mean, it was just a sponge ball, but Lord knows what it did for my brain. Yeah. Now, he was a circus performer, is that right, or something? Or? Well, he worked for a circus. Okay. But he, 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 he performed everywhere. Um, but that's why I saw him. I saw him in the American Circus, and, 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 and they, they, they used to rent out a theater and put on a circus act inside of a theater. Is that kind of like what the Big Apple Circus? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Kind of like that, like that. Okay. But it was like that, and uh, this was at this was at the Apollo Theater hmm. in Harlem. I was going to say it's mostly black at the Apollo Theater back then, wasn't it? Yeah, but the circus wasn't. Okay. <laughs> no. So they brought in white people. No, yeah. The circus okay. was the circus was they went everywhere, mm-hmm. but uh, Presto was advertised as the uh, uh, African American. Magician. Oh, was was Presto black uh, also? Well, Presto was black, but he was extremely light skinned. Okay. So when I saw this poster, and I said, "Well, come on, really?" Mm -hmm. So I went. So I went and saw him, and I Mm -hmm. saw him, and I was like, "He was doing cigarettes back then." Vanishing cigarettes and produce cigarettes, and it, it was Floyd. So he was not only the first magician you saw, but the first black magician. So you probably had. Oh, before that, I had not a concept. Right. Uh, the right. two things didn't even match. Because I talked to some people who have said, I had never, I didn't know that there were yeah, black no, magicians. No, no, you know? no, no. But very few people mm-hmm. will tell you right now that even today, mm-hmm. uh, seriously, you write a lot of people saying, no, I've never seen a black magician before. Mm-hmm. No, but th- that's what it was with me, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, once I learned a little bit, a very little bit, I started doing the streets from the streets. I started adding stuff and started adding a, a cane and, and started adding other. Once I found the magic shop, I the went floating crazy. cane, vanishing cane, the appearing cane. Okay, Fantasio uh, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, you start adding more. I mean, I mean, I, uh, the first time somebody offered me a magic show was uh, when I was working for the same law firm, Dry and Trow, and um, they offered me a show. Uh, one of the lawyers, mm-hmm. and I did the show. I was going to do the show for free. I just just go do some magic. Yeah, was kids. And at the end of the show, he gave me three hundred dollars. And you thought, hmm, <laughs> I lost my mind. <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute, let me get this right. I make about six hundred dollars here before taxes a week. Oh, forty hours. Okay, a week. I just made three hundred dollars. It took me a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Let me do the math on that. I hmm. did the math real quick. <laughs> didn't didn't stay in school long, but I screwed up. I got this. Now, how could your wife possibly have said, nope, you keep working at $60 because, a week? Because she wasn't looking at money. She was looking at prestige. Uh, uh, which, what do you do for a living? What am I going to tell your friends you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Lots of magicians, you know, lots of magicians are divorced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are divorced because of, uh, if they can become famous magicians, then they're fine. Yeah. If they're just magicians and you just like a little hobby and like that. And she's like, uh, uh, you know, I can't tell my friends you're a magician. I mm-hmm. can't tell that kind of thing. You know? I understand. So, I thought about that. So one thing led to another, and boom, that's it. But guess what? But but trust me, it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. because I didn't really excel in magic until I got divorced. And then you were free. It's like uh, I don't have to worry about it her. Was, or... It was so much better. Huh? I, as a matter of fact, it didn't even take two weeks. Really? Two weeks I was making. I was making two, three thousand dollars a week. Okay. Doing magic. On the street or doing more shows? On the or street. They... Just okay. on the street. <clears throat> on the street. So magic came on the shows after you put out flyers. I had to make a flyer up, and as I was performing, I was letting people know that I was available to do these parties. Oh. At the same time, I was building up a, uh, enough stuff to do nice-sized parties. Right now, there. that was the early 80s? Yeah, even though I didn't know what I was really doing, yeah, that's pretty... I just put together a bunch of magic tricks. I, uh-huh. Matter of fact, the first magic show that I did that got paid 
uh, $1,000 for was Brooklyn College. And um, I really didn't know what I was doing. So I'm getting paid $1,000. I'm all thrilled because I've never gotten this kind of money for yeah. doing an hour show. So I go to Tanner's, and I buy a Temple Veneer. <laughs> the Temple Veneer was $500. Well, you need an assistant, too, didn't you? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Ah, <laughs> the next problem. I knew plenty of women, okay, girls, girls. Yeah. <clears throat> so, offered another girl, you know what I'm saying, another fifty bucks to help me out doing yeah. the show. So she decided she she gonna do the show. She was excited about it too. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't have a car, hmm. right? So I I I kind of got a taxi there and a taxi back, which cost me like sixty dollars each way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then I bought a razor blade trick and. Uh, uh, a bunch of magic tricks that they basically do, you know. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was through, I was like $1,500 in magic that I bought, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid 1000 I just spent 1500 right? Yeah, it's and, an investment. And, and nothing went right. Oh, mercy. Everything, it, was, it, was on a, it was on a football field yeah. that had rained the night before. Oh, and was it And the tip of the has legs on it. Right, right. And it sunk down into the, the thing. Yeah, and, the girl turf, ro- yeah. and the girl rolled out. That's not even because funny. Because it has a top one that falls apart. Of course, yeah. So yeah. the girl just fell out. So that didn't work. And the razor blades, I forgot which how which to switch. So I was terrified doing it, so I didn't do it at all. I was going to say that. I didn't bother doing it because I was saying. It would have really got, been dangerous. It, it, was, it was a lesson in in practice before you go out and do stuff. Yeah. And have plenty of time before you do something. And, so, and check your environment. It check your environment. It was so you, much mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. It was so much more I learned that day mm-hmm. about anything at all. So That's and, the day you became a professional. No, no, that's the day I became I'm heading that way. Yeah. I'm still not there yet. It took me <laughs> it took me quite a while before I figured out how this thing works. And, mm-hmm. and I, instead of buying magic uh, Presto told me to stop buying magic for a while. He said, don't buy any more magic. Because I was buying magic every week. Hmm. You know, you get enthused. You know you how get a habit. Yeah. It's something that you just go. Well, and you had tannins and, also. I and, mean. Tony, and Tony wasn't any help. Tony wasn't any help. Because Tony and the herbs sold me everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. If they, they saw s- you coming. They said, oh, here's my. what you need. Here comes Chris. <laughs> Let's convince him he needs one of these. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> and, put that on the countertop. And I was pretty easy to convince, too. <laughs> if it was electronic uh-huh. uh, Whatever I bought all kinds of stuff. Man, I can't tell you how much money I spent. I was spending half my paycheck on just magic. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I learned that you should read a book. Okay. So somebody gave me the, showed me the Royal Road to Card Magic. Great book, and that did it for me because yeah. there was things in there that you could do with your hands and no money involved, just mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. And then I met uh, Ross. Uh, David, David Roth. David Roth, who taught me some coin stuff. Mm-hmm. And he taught me how to hold a coin, how to palm a coin, and stuff like that. He used and to hang out Tans, I think, also. Oh, didn't everybody he? did. Everybody mm-hmm. was Tans. Tans was the spot to go to. I mean, yeah. there, was no, uh, Harry Lorraine, there was everybody. no better yep. place to go to Tans. They had table there. They had the table there. You had to hang out. You left there on Saturday. You, when they closed up, everybody went down to the governor's restaurant, hung out at the governor's restaurant. You learned so much stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And you now, just, they moved around town. Where was that at the time when you started going? 45th and Broadway. Okay. Yeah, I was right across. I worked right across the street from it. I didn't know what they were there for a year. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I used to go to another magic shop. Uh, uh, and that magic shop didn't tell me about tennis. I went to an old, beat-up magic shop. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Uh, that one for a long time, but no one told me about so it. So then, after you figured out where Tannis was, that after you made your money on the street, you life, go right straight on up the steps. Life was <laughs> Tannis, and then so many people came out to see me because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I was in, I was getting crowds like crazy, and mm-hmm. I was entertaining the crowd really mm-hmm. good. And people would come around, which I didn't know was budding young magicians, mm-hmm. including including um, 
uh, 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 Doug Henning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were standing around and just watching me, watching me, watching right. me, watching me. And um, people would come through the tanner and say, oh, I want that trick he's doing. And it, there was no mm-hmm. real trick. So so Tan- Tony would just sell them a, a red silk and a thumbtack. <laughs> yeah. And now everybody today, in their case, has a red silk and a thumbtack. <laughs> and that's where that whole routine came mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I started doing the rings. And the rings really just lit up. Um, it's large, it's visual, it makes a noise made, and attracts it, attention. Exactly. It worked well for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know I was doing anything any special. Mm-hmm. I was doing it, just doing it, but I started playing around with it. You didn't read rings. a routine, you just kind of put no, something together. No, I put something together huh. and did this thing and did the fastest way possible. And uh, so I created this, um, I didn't realize it was a move, but to link it, because I mm-hmm. hated the, the what I saw. I did see um, um, the original rink by Miller, but it all Charlie had, Miller. Yeah, it had this sawing motion. Oh, okay. That I didn't like because it looked like you were trying to hook something all the time. Mm-hmm. It was always like this, like this, like this, and I changed it to a karate move. Oh, and a karate move is how you put your hand through a brick. It's yeah. a stop motion, boom, and just stop. Same thing as the ring, boom, stop. Got it. That's it. I so that's where that move came from, uh-huh. and. And it, I know it looked good, and the audience knew it looked good. And because people couldn't see it from a distance, I used to get down off the soapbox and walk over to them, one by one by one by one, so they could see it. Which is what you still do today. And that's how that whole routine came about. And mm-hmm. uh, Tony loved it. And so Tony filmed it, and then Tony said to me, uh, I'll buy that ring routine from you. And I was like, oh, you could sell a ring routine? <laughs> Who yeah. knew? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. So he gave me, you know, he gave me like twelve hundred bucks. I said, mm-hmm. "It's yours." So he actually owns the rights to it. And he put that in the Stars and Magic. He put that in Stars and Magic, and I was the first black man, I'm the only black man in the Stars and Magic. But he did credit you 13. for it in the Stars. Oh no, his pictures, and everything, credited yeah. me for everything. He did, mm-hmm. you know, he did a great job. Yeah, I just didn't know it was something that you could sell. Yeah, and then I found out it's been it, he had been he sold it for like. 15, 20 years. Yeah. He got more than his money back. I, I, think, I think he made his money back. <laughs> <laughs> Tony was no joke. <laughs> yeah. He was no fool. Tony knew what he was. Good Tony's mm-hmm. a great businessman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking, right? He did get to be a millionaire for nothing. Well, I, I mentioned Cellini earlier also. Cellini. That's, that's why I wondered. You, I mean, I know you crossed paths with him many oh, yeah. time as well. And he's one of those guys who was kind of an itinerant uh, street magician. Yeah. And he was known for his ring routine yeah. also. Did you but, guys ever just kind of stop and oh, but, hang and, out? You know the nice part about Cellini was cool? is uh, uh, even if he saw something that you were doing, he stuck to what he was doing. Mm. So he would say, wow, that's that's that's, what, that's great. What you're doing is amazing right there. And what Cellini was doing was his method of doing it, which was great. Mm-hmm. So he didn't change up method because he saw something else. He kept his method. It was smooth. It was quiet. And it was just Cellini. Mm-hmm. And that's what you know. When you saw that, move, that, that trick, you saw Cellini. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he did all these smooth moves. Quiet move, no yeah. no sound, no sound, right? Perfect, perfect move. He wasn't gonna change that. No, mm-hmm. see, and I'm doing a move where you got sound, you got. And I'm, and I, my thing is not to look. It's not a. It's not f- to be a beautiful routine. I'm not into music and beautiful. My thing was to prove that you can put metal through metal. That's it. Right. My job is as a magician. Is I'm doing something impossible. How is it possible to put metal through metal? Mm-hmm. Other ones routines. They've already proved it by doing it the first time. Right. But now they try to put music to it, and they try to make it beautiful. They do. 
and sound and movement mm-hmm. with music and all that kind of, which is fine. But yeah, I think Levent does a great uh, radio right. team. Everybody mm-hmm. has their, their mm-hmm. and, and which is great. Oscar because, Munoz, everybody, because mm-hmm. it makes individuals. I remember at a convention one time when which Oscar Munoz was on the same bill as you, and you both did linking rings. Oh yeah, and it showed to me yeah, the two, difference. Two different differences. Completely yeah. different. Yeah, the, the same effect, yeah. but different presentation. And we discussed it before. I we remember. Did it. Uh-huh. We discussed it before, and it's two. And people don't realize it's two different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. One is comic. My thing is comic. Mm-hmm. Say, I do it all right there. But and it also attracts to... attention again. I would think that's yeah. why you were doing it, because when you make a noise and it clinks like that, yeah. when you're a street performer. People want to know what people come. As opposed to a theatrical <clears throat> performance right. where you're trying to be artistic with right. it. You know. See, and, and I've never been into that, because yeah. I've, I've always liked comedy. Mm-hmm. Presto was all comedy. And yours has ha- your comedy, by the way, has to be quick and edgy, because otherwise people are going to leave. It, you can't set up a joke and then hit no, them later. No, you got to hit it fast. Right now. But I get my comedy from um, Jack Benny. Oh, really? Okay. All my comedy comes uh-huh. from Jack Benny. People don't realize that. That kind of style. But, but if you go watch Jack Benny. Well, you do have great outtakes or take sides. That's you know, what you, the idea, the look. The look and the eyes. You kind of look. All that's, or you all, point to him and all that, raise your eyebrows. All that comes from, <laughs> all that comes from Jack Benny. Right, right. I, I watched. I, I was... Um, I was into, and this for years, I was watched the probably Jack Benny every day for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I got from Jack Benny was how to make people laugh, applaud without saying a word. And he doesn't, any, he doesn't do any profanity or nothing. Right. But yet he was seriously funny. Mm-hmm. At the same time, mm-hmm. with his cheapness, with his age thing, I got the age idea of going in reverse from Jack Benny. Jack uh-huh. Benny would say, 39, that's it. Yeah. He would never move from 39. Mm-hmm. I had a birthday two years ago, I was 39 years old. And I can't wait till my next birthday, I'll be 39 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you see yeah. what I mean? He never yeah. left for 39. Right. So I changed that and went to another progressive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so throughout your act, you keep I, saying yeah, it. My original, get- my original number is 65, and by the time I get to the box trick, it's 95. Mm-hmm. Right, and then some people say, "Do another trick." I said, "If I do another trick, I'll be dead." <laughs> <laughs> and they get that. That's a good running gag all the way it's through. It's all the way through. Yeah. And, and any good act has to have callbacks. It have to have uh, something that runs all the way through it. You know? And does that work on the street? Oh yeah. Okay, because that's what I'm saying. You got to kills on the street. Okay. Because people don't want to leave now. They want to see oh, what happens. I see. They want to see what happens. It's like bringing up a kid on the street. Yeah. People won't leave until the kid leaves. Hmm. They don't trust you. Do you use the same kid throughout the whole show, or do you bring up two or three or four different kids? Oh, no, kids? no. I always try to use as many kids as I can okay. in the show. Because yeah. I mean, if you bring up one kid, they all want to get in. Mm-hmm. So you try to not disappoint them. So you try mm-hmm. to bring up as many kids as you want. In my, in my Freddy Cat Rabbit, you see my Freddy Cat Rabbit? Yes, I well, do. my Freddy Cat Rabbit, I, try to, I bring up all the kids. Yeah. But I act like I only want to bring up one. Mm-hmm. So what I'll use yes. to, to the audience, I'll say, uh, okay, I'm going to need some kids to come up. So the first kid that gets up here, that's the kid we're going to use. And they all go rush it up. And I, say, oh, and I, and I look like, a, whoa. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I just use everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then I get them excited by offering them things they're never going to get. That's the beauty of it. I'm going to disappoint you, kid. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I asked that question first. Now, are you kids used to disappointment? That's the first question I asked. They go, yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> we have no problem there because I'm a magician, not Santa Claus. I just look like look Santa like, Claus. I can relate. That's right. I'll either say I look like Santa Claus, and, and sometimes I'll say something 
like, you know, I look like Uncle Remus, and they don't know what I'm talking about. I said, mm. ask your parents. Yeah. <laughs> I said, ask your parents. I do recall you doing that Freddy, Ra- Freddy Cat Rabbit yeah. when we were at Abbott's. And, Abbott's. And in uh, fact, that's where you won the Senator Crandall that's Comedy my, Award. That's, that is one of the first places that I, I did it on a strong level with at least 150 kids mm-hmm. everywhere, and they're jumping up mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And then at the end, I was going to leave and uh, uh, said, oh, stick around to the end of the Saturday. They didn't tell me why. And at the end, I won the Senator Crandall Award, which yeah. I had no idea. They don't mm-hmm. tell you in advance. No. It's just a shock. Boom. You're done. Mm-hmm. Like that. Didn't even know we was in a contest. <laughs> I, didn't know the, I didn't know the contest was on. Was that your first Abbott's that, that you attended? That was my first yeah, Abbott's. That's a fun, fun at convention. Oh, I love that. I went there uh, four more times after that. Now, speaking of uh, fun conventions, one I never attended was uh, Tannins. Tannins. Uh, that was at the Jubilee. Uh, Jubilee out in... Out in uh, upstate New York. Yeah. I uh, can't remember the name of the hotel. Uh, Kuchner. Kuchner Hotel or something like that? Or they had something made before the Kuchner? Yeah. No, no. That was the big one. Okay. Uh, did they have a lot of people attend that? Or oh, my those? God. It was a big, that was a huge event. Okay. That was a huge. That's the first time we've ever, that's the first convention that uh, Lance Burton was at. Hmm. I was on the same bill as Lance Burton when he just started. Nobody even heard who Lance Burton oh, was. Oh, as long before he'd won the IBM you know, and all long that. Long before that. Mm-hmm. No, long before that. He just was uh, fresh from Louisville. Yeah, he just came out and brand new. Was he still doing his dub routine? Or this is it. This is the first time he did it. That's oh, why he wanted to test it out at. Oh, 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 interesting. And let me tell you something. Floored him. Mm-hmm. That was the day. He was great back then, even uh, in the beginning. Huh? No, I don't think he's ever been this great again. Mm-hmm. It was really... Anybody who's seen that, that day was mm-hmm. an opening eye day. You would have said... You thought Dracula was on stage. Seriously. <laughs> he had those birds so controlled. It was amazing. And what know. impressed me all the time in his early years, and still does, from the standpoint of, of how he does, it's, it's so nonchalant the way the Very birds appear. And he's looking at the audience. He's not looking at his hands right. or anything else. He's not even looking at the bird. And, the and, bird's taking off. He's going... Yeah. Very much like a Channing Pollock kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know, it kind of got a little bit of a stern look and, yeah. a, and a handsome very man. Strange, dark very strange, very Dark black hair. Yeah, 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 like it, that Dracula look. Like that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was an opening night day for me when I mm-hmm. saw the bird. That's when I knew I would never do birds. I was about to ask you, were you not inspired at that point saying, no. hey, I want to I, I did. I've always did birds, but not like that. Yeah. I, like everything on the street? Be, I did birds on the streets. Really? I had two birds, one Gertrude, one Heathcliff. You know who. Yes. Right. And uh, my two birds was, was trained to stay with me mm-hmm. on the streets and everything. And then uh, some crazy things happened. I stopped doing that on the street because some bum, I used to keep them in a doctor's bag. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And somebody stole the doctor's bag. So we all, all the guys, we went looking for who stole it. We found it. It was a geek, some geek guy. We called him the geek. Mm-hmm. Right. And he had already, he was eating the eating birds. Mm-hmm. He was eating them alive. That's a geek for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always think it's strange when they talk today about uh, um, the Best Buy Geek Squad. You know, these guys who are the geek geeks. Squad. It's like, eh, you know, the geeks <laughs> you are the guys may, who bit the heads off. Maybe of, we got to uh, change the name yeah, of that. Nerds, maybe. That, that's true. <laughs> I don't think they understood that. But no. they're, they're young people. They don't know yeah. about that. That's a sh- an but, old carny yeah, term. Yeah, that's old carny geek. You know, that's what a geek, yeah. the geek Speak, I guess you knew AJ, too. Oh, of course you knew AJ. AJ was... Uh, First one that made me a mark one time. I was what? pissed off too, because <laughs> I didn't know what he was doing. Uh-huh. But he put a he, on my. And I had a beautiful oh, jacket, like, jacket chalk, here. Chalk, chalk. And he put chalk my back on my jacket. <laughs> I said, "I said, how do you know?" He says, "He's the chalk." Yeah, two hundred dollar jacket, but you put marks on my jacket. 
AJ was a mess, man. He was. He was the first Ronald McDonald, I believe, isn't that right? He said that. I didn't believe him. Yeah, no, I think he was. I said, you you just ain't the type to be around kids. I'm sorry. (laughs) I wouldn't leave my kids around you. (laughs) I wouldn't leave my kids around AJ. (laughs) But he trained a lot of uh, other uh, Ronalds. Really? Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew that. Wow, that is brand news to me. Wow. (laughs) AJ, really? And, of course, he had that book on... uh, the Art of Schmoozing. The Art of Schmoozing. Which was uh, really he knew, every, he knew every con in the book. Well, I mean, he was a con. The man was a serious guy, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask, as far as the streets go, particularly in New York and some other places, do you have to get a permit? Yeah. Or do you, okay. These days. Now, back when I was doing it, we didn't get no permits. We, mm-hmm. we kind of like, cops come, chase you away from one corner, you just go to another corner. Right it was kind of like the uh, guys who had the cardboard box doing the three-card exactly. money, I guess. same thing. We never asked permission. Did they assume that you were kind of like those cards? In the beginning, they do. In the beginning, men? they do. They think that after a while... The cops I, get to know I, you. I, I'll tell you the truth. Once the cops got to know you, they knew who it was. They knew your name and everything else. And we, we, especially, we had beat cops back then. So we had the oh, yeah, same cops, right. So we had the same cops coming back all the time. Mm-hmm. That was their beat. That's what their beat. So they knew who's on the beat. Sure. And after a while, they give you permission. They have street cops. The street cops was more like street law. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, there's street. There, there's law on the books, okay. and then there's street law. Okay. Street law I mean cops on their beat do what they want to do, mm-hmm. and you do what they want to do. It ain't what you think it is. Because I've gotten in fights with people who are in with the cops better than me. Wow. And when they come along, they go, hey, this guy bothering you, okay, and that's it. And I don't care who started the fight or what the problem, yep. you're gone. Right. You're Whoever gone. side that cop is on, that's, that's the one. Right. Yeah. I had people come up. On, when I was on 44th from Broadway, um, there was a couple of cops named Reedy, and he would come along, and, and he would go, yo, Chris right there, and I'd do something for him, something like that. He'd bring his friends past, his family van. And sometimes when I get in trouble, because there's a lot of trouble on the streets, mm-hmm. right there, he would come along and say, y'all messing with Chris? See, once you got him good with him, you got him good with him. You, did, you, mm-hmm. do, their, you do their family parties. Yeah. yeah. It was ways around it. Right. But so they basically had your own security. If you did it on 44th and Broadway, mm-hmm. now I did it. I used to start off on um, in in, in the, near where the World Trade Center was. Yeah, I used to work around there, one forty Broadway. That must have been pretty lucrative. Well, it was great because you only worked there between eleven and three. When and people I, get down for lunch, for eleven out. and three, right there, huh. eleven and three was always good for about two hundred bucks. And now we'll take a short break for a word from our sponsor, Magic at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, coming up October 5th, 6th, and 7th. And they have so much talent, so many things going on. One of the things that's going to be happening at the convention is a contest. And contests are the lifeblood, something very important to a lot of conventions and also to encouraging people to move on and become a professional magician and uh, and to get to be seen and winning these awards. I've got someone with me right now who is an award-winning magician uh, himself with his own theater there in the Wonders Theater in Myrtle Beach, and he's going to be uh, one of the hosts for Magic at the Beach. Here he is, Charles Bach. Hey there, Charles. Hey, Scott. So glad to have you here. I am so excited about the uh, contest. More and more conventions are starting to put less emphasis on contests and actually eliminating them altogether. And uh, what are you doing uh, with your contests, and what are the categories? So I believe many magicians started off competing in contests and there's nothing like a deadline to make you better because you'll work on something and achieve a goal and you get that opportunity to get feedback and, you, you know, work 
a competition is really something that you have to put your best out there. And at the end of the day, a lot of the magicians that are stars of our convention all competed in contests, all won awards and all grew from it. So I believe it's a great experience. And we have competitions for close up and stage for the adults. And we're combining the close up and stage for the juniors. So it's into one competition. So there's not going to be a category within stage, I should say, different categories for like, say, comedy and parlor and stage. It'll just be one stage. Is that correct? Yes. So the close-up performers will obviously work at a close-up table and the stage performers will get the stage, whether they do a parlor style, a larger show or comedy magic. And as mentioned, this is all going to be held there in your Charles Box Wonders Theater. And as I understand it, there will be some large screen television monitors so everybody will be able to see regardless where you are seated in the theater. Yes, we have complete AV facilities. We can do projection. We have side screens and we have camera. So everybody will be able to see everything clearly and experience the magic as well as give the performers the best opportunity to have a great performance on stage with proper lighting, with proper music, with proper staging. Right, because you've got the right stage and you've been doing it for a long time. And so it's not going to be something that's just going to be set up in a hotel banquet room and cross your fingers and hope for the best. So this is something you've been doing for a while. <laughs> we like to play with all the toys that we have and we're happy to use them. And you got about a 200 seat theater, is that right? It's 200 seats and it's very intimate, but also very comfortable. And all the sight lines are great for seeing everything. And people can register for the convention and register for the contest by going to... Yes, you can go to magicatthebeach.org to register for the convention and the signups for the contest will take place when you come and pick up your badge. You can sign up for your slot for the magic uh, competitions and you're all set unless you have any technical needs and feel free to reach out to our email on the Magic at the Beach page if you have any sound or video or lighting things that are specific and we'll be happy to help with that. So you're not going to be required to submit video in advance. You can actually show up on the day of the convention saying, hey, I want to be in the contest. Yes. Some people are going to make that decision last minute and we're happy to have them. It's going to be an awesome contest and an awesome convention. As I mentioned, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, (laughs) who are all the listeners out there, keep in mind, this is a 200 seat theater. And so uh, registrations are going to be limited. So you need to go and check this out quickly because it's right around the corner. Absolutely. Get your registration in and we look forward to having you at the convention. Thanks a lot, Charles. I look forward to seeing you there. So please remember to uh, go to magicatthebeach.org for more information. Now back to our conversation for this week's episode. Were there other street performers back then? I mean, when I think of like New Orleans. street performers. No, not not like a plenty. We we, we were the few. Uh, Starting the streets in New York, I was the first magician on the streets of New York. What were the other guys doing? Selling, pitching? Everybody else was Stan trying Gallen, to Dex do the parks. Judy Mouse or, oh. I, used to, I used to do that, too. Okay. Uh, the guy I got with named Tommy Lair, he taught me how to pitch the mouse mm-hmm. and how to pitch Spangali decks. So I used to sell 144 decks a day. And how much those go for back then? Five bucks? Oh, Ten bucks? No, three dollars. Three dollars? Okay. But we bought them for cheap because yeah. they were cheap cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we would convince people that they these are the cards, these are about Ten dollars a deck. I <laughs> said, we're going to let you have it, just for you and you, from today, for yeah. $3. Yeah. $3, people. You gotta, how many magic tricks can you do for $3? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Impress your friends. <laughs> Be the life of the party. Please stop. There are so many things you can do with the <laughs> so, with the Svengali yeah, deck. It's so much, it's so much bullshit. But wait, there's made. more you can do. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> I see you've been there. <laughs> but wait, there's more. 
<laughs> I got to have it. I no, got, wait a minute. Keep that money. You might want two decks. That's the move. That's the move. Oh, my God. You have been there. <laughs> that's what he taught us to say, too. Yeah. Oh, hold, oh, hold on to your money. Sometimes we ain't talking to nobody. Yeah. No, hold on to your money back there. I know you're in a hurry. Yeah. But just relax. There's other people here before you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a jam auction. Did you ever get do any jam auctions? Or you been to those? You know what I'm talking about? I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Jam auction is, I went to one in New Orleans one time, and I knew this other magician who was actually part of this thing. And, and they were pitching, I don't know, uh, carving knives or something, you know, for the kitchen or whatever. And so they were getting a crowd. And then there was this other set of magician in the back who, was, who I was talking with. And he said, uh, help me. He said, we need to push these people forward. I said, what? He said, well, you know, because the guy who was pitching was saying, you know, come a little closer. You know, we don't want to have people out on the sidewalk, you know, blocking mm-hmm. the streets. And so we're kind of in the back pushing. We're jamming them in I get closer it. to the front. I get and as more people come in, we would jam them in. So the people up front could not leave. You know, they were like sardines <laughs> up there, you know. So hence the jam auction, you know. That's God, 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 man. It's terrible, man. It's terrible. It really is terrible. <laughs> well, you have to have some pretty good uh, stories also from the street. I mean, have you had? Oh, yeah. I mean, much raining? Or? I, I work, we work with uh, Tony Atreverius and, and Otto Peterson, who was uh, an incredible ventriloquist. I used to work hmm. with him together. But he, the kid was, uh, he was like young. He was like 13 years old. Jewish kid, you understand? He was a phenomenal. Uh, I never thought about Vince on the street. Oh my God, it was yeah, Vince huh. on the street for sure. And uh, he was amazing. Uh, if you look up Otto Peterson, you'll see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Called Otto and George. Oh, George was his. Uh, George was the his uh, figure. The figure, and he mm-hmm. couldn't do anything without George. He couldn't. He could. He could barely talk without George. <laughs> He was like his counter ego, I guess. Yeah, people with Vince Willikers are a little weird anyway. I mean, it's a, it's a very strange thing to want to have this, this dual personality because you got to have a dual personality. Well, there have been movies and TV shows, you know, like a Twilight Zone and thing. And it really, it brought it is like somebody's got a personality defect, you know. You do. You have to, you have to almost. be a, in order to be a great ventriloquist, you have to have a dual personality. Mm-hmm. You really believe that person exists. Mm-hmm. And your mind... You're having a conversation with that same you have, And um, trust me, and when they are alone, mm-hmm. they have the same conversation. Well, There's nobody it, there but him and the dummy. And, and they're, he's talking they're, like the dummy. <laughs> and they're not just working on a script. They're actually... You should see that. I've heard it. It's, it's really weird. I would think so. I mean, like they're in the kitchen just fixing breakfast. Yeah, and they're right. tra- Yeah, talking to themselves yeah. with the voice and, and everything. And no, no, I've huh. seen Otto do this before he knows I'm there. Uh-huh. But then George is inside the case. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to him. He's talking to George. And George, you can hear George talking from the case. You're going to let me out when you let me out. And then, I said, Otto? Otto, you, you got to cut that out. He goes, what? I said, what you're doing there is freaking me out. Yeah. Don't do that, okay? Because it's 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 a weird thing. It's sometimes hard, Chris. I think to separate certain things from, uh, I mean, your life and reality yeah. from stage persona and yeah. personality and performing. I remember um, uh, Vic Kirk and his wife Mary. And uh, Vic is an LA guy. You probably never met Vic, mm. but he was one of these guys who was like Johnny Thompson that knew everything about every thing in magic basically mm. and we i worked with him many times at the magic island and when we'd be sitting at dinner he'd be talking like we are right now but his wife mary would be cutting her steak or something and she would say a comb a watch 
You know, because he she's was still, she's she, still doing the act, right? Because he's she's picking up the code. He's she's saying code. as we're talking, right? And uh, and he's just talking normally, like you would, I guess. You know, like how the Evansons would. Can you imagine well, them at home like, also? It's kind of like always practicing, so you don't forget. Yes, yes, I think you have to. Everything, everything you do, perfect needs practice, mm-hmm. and you just keep doing it over and over and over again. And the reason why I got so good at the rings because I did it every day for fifteen years straight. And how many times did that? Rain, oh, 15, 20 times. Yeah. Over and over and over again, because that's how you made your money. Now, at some point, I mean, I know when it just has a little bit of light rain, people are, at some point are going to, they don't want to stop and get wet. So oh, no, they'll go ahead and we'll, they'll I've watch. Seen, I've seen people stop people in the rain and give them up, get, got, they got umbrellas. Hmm. Okay. What have you now, got? It's pouring, but if it's pouring, no, but a little drizzle here and there. Yeah. But magicians and entertainers will always step on the side. Wait till it stops and go back out again. Mm-hmm. It's like being in Florida, you know. Give mm-hmm. it, give it, is it raining? Give it fifteen minutes. Yeah, it may not be raining. <laughs> so right, it's just patient. But it's a uh, it's a grind. But it's a young man's thing because as you get older, you just can't do it no more. Well, that's a good point. I don't and, see a lot of old people out there. No, yes, you can't do it no more. Mm-hmm. Now there are people who are of age that is still doing it, but they do it in nice places like fairs mm-hmm. and they uh, city fairs and stuff like that. Where it's safe environments, mm-hmm. uh, the regular streets is not a safe environment. Well, like in London, you know, Covent Gardens yeah, is a popular right, place there right. as well. You can see anybody there at all. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I've done that once. Okay, what was that experience like? I had to work along with a bunch of people that 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 was just emulating G- Gazo, mm. and that's all. Everybody had a satch around their bag. Right. And everybody said the same word and did the same jokes. Is that right? It was exact. Everything was exact. Uh, <laughs> nothing the guys can really do about that. Oh, no, no, no. It was nothing. Once you put it out there, it's done. Of course. People see it, they copy. I've been copied so much, I can't tell you how many times I've been copied. Hmm. You know, I, and, and, and you shouldn't even do half the stuff I do because I do stuff that uh, you may not be able to get away with. Well, you use a lot of I get, uh, black I get, and white I get, jokes also. I get a lot know. of... I get a, I, I do jokes that fits the situation. Yes. And if people don't realize that You're there's not that many black magicians. Yeah. Therefore, when I step out on the stage, I think the first thing people notice is he's black. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, you got to notice that. <laughs> if you don't notice that, then you're prejudiced. Hmm. That's when you're prejudiced, when mm-hmm. you don't notice he's black. Mm-hmm. So you go through this whole conversation, you didn't know that I was black. I'm black. Okay. Yeah. So let's deal with that. Okay. Yeah. If you're ugly, you're ugly. You come out you're there, fat. you're ugly. I'm yeah. If you're fat, you're fat. So you stand here and try to act like the guy ain't fat. He fat. <laughs> okay. So he might as well use it, right? Yeah. Because they're thinking it. Yeah. So if you know what people are thinking, you got to use that. When I was working the Magic Castle recently, I was working in the parlor. My opening bit was, you know, I would say, ho, ho, ho. Exactly. Because, because you know, take a one white look at fat you. Man and, you got, and you got the beard, the hair, and <laughs> yeah. everything else. Well, let's get it over with people. That's exactly ho, ho. what I said. Let's get it over with address ho, the elephant. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> exactly. I'd say, I, I meant that as a salutation, you know, not as a, um, an indictment. Of- <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But that's what I mean. Put it out there. Mm-hmm. Once you put it out there, it's over with. That's right. Okay? It's that simple. And when you ignore it, and when you go on, if you're on stage, and, and, and uh, um, I think uh, uh, Denny from Denny and Lee mm-hmm. uh, used to put this out all the time. He said, he said, there's nothing worse than a 
70-year-old man, 60-year-old man standing on stage mm. with a bunch of 20-year-old girls, yeah. and he's doing illusions, and he's acting like these girls are attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, they're all dancing around him. <laughs> and and dancing all around. And, and he, their hands he, all over And he tries to do the same thing, too. Yeah, yeah. No. It's kind it of doesn't, inappropriate. It doesn't yeah. work. No. I agree. Be who you are. And, and, and I, wearing uh, spandex and all that. You know, it's, it's 70. And <laughs> <laughs> now you got a terrible, terrible image in my head. I can't get rid of it. I can't have breakfast now. <laughs> it's terrible. But that's, that's how it was, man. Mm-hmm. So we, well, these are good tips to understand. When you, uh, and I got to learn this from Billy McComb. Because when I was younger, I used to have my chest out. You know what I'm I used to do a dancing cane. A very sexy thing. I was able yeah. to produce not so much comedy as much as I produced sex appeal. Yeah. And uh, Billy said, you know, as you, when you're young, that's fine. Yeah. But, but as you get, when you get older, what are you going to do then? Mm-hmm. He said, and as you get older, change with your age. Let your act change with your age. Make your act fix your age. So today, I do old jokes. I always love that line that Billy was saying. Well, I'm going to have to close my act now because it's uh, it's, it's right. It's pudding night at the, the, the home. That's right. Taffy okay night, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't missing that for no magic. And show. everybody realized, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And now you you relate to people mm-hmm. of your own age. Right. You know, I do fine. I tell people all the time. Look, I'm so sexy. I can pick up a 75 year old woman just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. Ain't a problem at now, all. Now, speaking of which, uh, I, I know age is a factor when it comes to cruise ships, but oh, yeah. I know you've been doing some cruises yeah. also. Has has there been any issue, or have you encountered anything in which they say, man? Well, I've never had a problem on a cruise ship. I've had a lot of fun. I've developed a lot of magic tricks on cruise ships hmm. because they have to adjust tricks to fit what occasion is because sometimes when the ship is moving like this you don't want you don't want to be doing a floating table or something like that you know what I mean yeah it floats right on out right off the stage so certain things you have to adjust Mm -hmm. to and the rooms are sometimes depending if you're doing the stage or you're doing a room Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did a lot of rooms and everything, but either way, it. it comes well, up I stopped fine. contacting the uh, the agents on that because I kind of thought I've aged out of that and didn't want yeah. to go back and do some ships yeah. anymore because I thought there are older people who are going on cruises and they don't want to see another guy look like them. They want right, someone... but that's where you're wrong. Am I okay? No, old people don't want to see young people. Oh, they don't really? Say, why? Remind them of what they were. They don't want I to guess. be reminded. Okay, I see. They don't want to know. Uh, yeah. They have more fun with somebody who relates to their ages uh, and same experiences they've the, had. And same experience. When you and, say, "Where were you and Kennedy died?" They know. And, yeah. and, 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 and just keeping it right, you understand? Most cruise ships are loaded with older women, mm-hmm. not men. There are more Single. women on there, right? And mm-hmm. they get a chance to look at this spry older guy on mm-hmm. stage, mm-hmm. and who do you think they lusting after? Me. That's right. That's right. I don't care because that, that's a, mm, hey, and he moving too? Hey. So, mm-hmm. But a young guy on the stage just dancing all around there. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing we can do with him. There ain't nothing we do with him. <laughs> <laughs> he knows they ain't interested in him. And it's inappropriate huh. for them to approach him in any way. Sure. Otherwise, cause they, but they do love people their own age. The best acts I've ever seen on Crystal and some of those crews, which is nothing but people over 55. That's right. Yeah, we're right? Crystal. They're, they're over 55. Yeah. Right, they got what? great attention to you, also. That, oh, <laughs> I love Crystal. You know that you know, they <laughs> yeah. give it, they give it, they give it all, man. Mm-hmm. And I was I, the lady, the oldest woman on the ship, who eventually died on the ship that I was working on. Right, they invited me to dinner and everything. Come to sit and talk to me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I did a birthday party for. Uh, I did a twenty-minute birthday party for. And at the end of the of the cruise, she just sent a butler upstairs and gave me like seven hundred dollars. 
Wow. You know, just because talking to her, sure. just all, but, but she wouldn't have never done that to a but a young guy. Interesting. So, no, it's true. Uh, you, you you have a you have a, a lot of appeal with age. Age age has a benefit. It just has a, a serious negative part too. The mm-hmm. age the age part is for some reason you're more calmer. Some people even look better. I look better older than I did younger. Mm. And 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 beard. Oh, they mm-hmm. love my beard. They love my beard. They love and and and, and being white hair. Oh my yeah. god. You would think that would be something. Well, oh, you are wrong. a handsome man, and the beard you know, frames your face. They well. love. Mm-hmm. They love. I tried. I tried to dye my hair one time. And nobody liked it. Mm-hmm. They said, "No, let it go. Let it go gray. Let it go white. It's much nicer." Everybody loves that. That's mm-hmm. fine. The the negative part of old age is all these damn pains. <laughs> no one. No one told me about that. But the I know. steps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No one told getting me about out of a chair and getting up out of bed. <laughs> you can't. No yeah. one told me about that part. And There's then, a downside. And then here we are, magicians. We're all sitting around doing what? We used to talk. We used to talk about uh, 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 different slights and urnades and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about prescription medicine, hospitals, and operations. Which operation did you get this week? <laughs> See, that's the negative part. Yeah. Yeah, old exactly. age, old age is like a step in the hell. Well, speaking of which, that was another thing is that I, I saw recently, of course, that Gazo had a stroke, which was yeah, his second yeah. stroke. I just heard about that. Which yeah. I think he's recovering from. I hope so. I think he'd gone back to England. I know they had a GoFundMe for him. Yeah. And by the time people are listening to this, I'm, I'm confident from what I have heard. I believe Howard Hamburg was one who told me that he went back to England and was. Yeah, Howard, Howard told me medicine. too. Howard told yeah. me too, yeah. So yeah. I, hopefully he's. Gazel's a great guy, man. Yeah. Some, uh, of the, some of the stuff he used to do just cracked me up. I would never do it, and I'm bold. I was going to say, what could he possibly do that you would do? Oh, I can do? tell you some things he'd do that I would never do. Like I, I saw Gazel uh, pick out this, uh, uh, and he does it all on my show, pick out a black guy he looks for a big black guy mm-hmm. and he says uh, he kind of tells him what to say under his breath mm-hmm. he says say you're from Chicago or New York whatever yeah. it is so he says hey what's your name he says well he says, uh, where are you from the guy will say uh, uh, Chicago he says oh turn around let me make me feel at home and he turns around and frisk him <laughs> 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 you want to see something crazy this yeah. is crazy man <laughs> Well, Johnny Fox was another guy I thought had some crazy. I I want to say it may have been Gazo now that I think back about that, but I think it was Johnny Fox when uh, he uh, had a plastic Ziploc bag or something. Oh, yeah. I know. The the bit with the knife. No. He was saying, Uh you know, take this home, kid. This is a space helmet. You know? Oh, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's wrong. To a kid? Yeah, to a kid. Oh, no. That's totally wrong. Even be, you wouldn't do that. No, I, he should be locked up. <laughs> I would never do that one. That's hilarious. It's funny now. He said it wasn't funny. I still but, but it's wrong. joke with my son about that and my granddaughter. It's just home. <laughs> it's a space helmet. That's funny. I thought you were going to do the bit with the knife and the, no. f- the fingerprint thing. What is that? You know the one you say, hey, here's a knife. Could you hold oh. this knife for a moment? Then you take out a plastic bag to put it here. Yes. I'm going to be talking to my wife tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I think Steve Bragazzi does that guy. Steve Bragazzi does yeah. all that guy. That's, my, that's one of my favorite performers. Yeah. Steven is wonderful. I can watch Steven all day. Yeah, right. Yeah. He has really uh, always been good, and uh, he, he relates great, to the audience. He's a great closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he opens for a son now. You, if you, know? you have a yeah, well, if you have a show, is that? But if you want a good closing, mm-hmm. uh, Steve will get gather all the information he can and, and leading end, up to that. So this way, and mm-hmm. at the end, he'll just boom, <laughs> right? It'll hit you hard too. Uh, and so you and you start remembering. Uh-huh. So basically, I call uh, a guy like that 
is a guy who has nothing but callbacks. Mm-hmm. So at the end, you've got all these callbacks. Mm-hmm. And you remember all these things, but now they're much funnier mm-hmm. because now he'd have made a joke out of them. Yeah. Yeah, incredible yeah. guy. Uh, and, and and not necessarily afraid to oh, no, be take, on the edge. Take, takes no prisoner, mm-hmm. and that's the way they were. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Pen Pen uh, Pen Jeanette, uh mentioned that one time to me. He says, you know, don't hold back. Do what you do what you do, and don't worry about nobody else. Now you were on Penn and Teller, Foolish. Oh yeah, uh, and they were surprised. I mean, they're not supposed to know Penn and Teller are not supposed they're to know supposed who's going to gonna be here. Anything. What I know from what I've heard, they're not. They don't know that you're coming. Right. Right. And so when they saw you, were they kind of surprised? Hey, girl, yeah, well, it was. It was like, it was, yeah, it was like, whoa. <laughs> okay, really? What was the trick you did for them? I did three tricks. I did uh, one I'm going to do tonight called Push, which I created and made up. And I did the a light bulb trick. And then I did a one where I blew a balloon and then put another balloon inside a balloon. Mm-hmm. And I told them I would pop the balloon in the middle without touching it. And I did. Okay. Uh, and then... They said, oh, it has to be done with some kind of a pin, mm. and it wasn't. So you and pulled it. it was and pool. you got a trophy. And I got a trophy. So now I, too, have one of those plastic things. <laughs> yeah. Is that a uh, one of your favorite it, uh, trophies? No? It's just a trophy. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I have a lot of them. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I have a lot of um, awards. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think... It's 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 a it's a award that's definitely worth having. Sure. Because it's a bragging thing. You know what I mean. Right. But I have I won the um, Melbourne Christopher Award. Is that the most precious one to you? It is really nice. Did you get that during the Salute to Magic or something or was I that got special? That, I got that. Uh, no, it was uh, wasn't Salute to Magic. It was it, you have to. It's an award that they have to. It's a surprise award. You mm-hmm. can't you can't apply for it. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. You have to be it just. It just comes out of nowhere. Is that the SAM or who awards it? I don't know. Hmm. I tell you How were you notified? Uh, Michael Miller called me up. Yeah. Then uh, Howard Hamburg called me up and uh, said that uh, you won this award. And uh, they had to come to um, Connecticut to get it. And so I was working at one, one at the time at Liberty Magic in yeah. Pittsburgh. And I, I had two more days. I worked there a month. I had two more days where I had to give that up to go and get the award. And I wasn't going at first. And then these people called me and said, Chris, you should go get this award. And when I went, I was totally shocked. They had a theater. They had a layout that you wouldn't wow. believe. It was, oh, it was insane. It was a beautiful award. Was, How many people came to the uh, Oh, must, must be at least, I would give. I would say about 100. Okay. It was really nice awards. And the way they laid it out was amazing. It was just a, Were there other awards, or that was the only award? It was oh, just no, a, no. Michael... Uh, um, Lamar uh, was he won an award that day too, mm-hmm. and uh, several other people won awards that day. Well, we, they got all kind of categories, okay. and uh, it's I, not from the Allen Slate part. I don't really know. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't. I didn't even know. He, I didn't even know it was a Melvin Christopher Award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's worth getting, and it's um, I got the Lifetime Achievement Award for contributions to magic. Was that from the AMA? That was from for, for the Melvin Christopher. Melvin Christopher. Sure, okay, and he gave you a huge plaque. And he gave you a, a cane, a, 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 a wand mm-hmm. that when you open the box up, the wand rises up. Oh my, that's pretty it's, cool. It's absolutely a gorgeous wand. You got to see this insane. <laughs> I don't even use a wand. Yeah. But looking at this was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he gave you this dinner, and they gave you this whole talk. It was just a, just a great day. Mm-hmm. I was very, 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 very happy. I went. It was one of the best awards I ever got. And uh, uh, and of course, I think the shocker was the. 
the the one at the um, Abbott's. Oh, at Abbott's because you were Abbott's not was expecting. Like, like I said, you didn't even know it was a contest. I'm about to walk up the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and when I'm winning this award for comedy, yeah, it was the award for comedy. I was like, this is amazing. And then at the <laughs> same year, on the same year I won that award, I won the uh, Legend Award at Monday Night Magic mm-hmm. for Legends of Magic. So I won that award for that. Was that presented there at, Ma- yeah, at Monday Night? Yeah, that was at Monday Night mm-hmm. Magic. That was a nice affair. Mm-hmm. And at the same, which I was just, only thing I'm disappointed in, for 16 years I've been trying to win Paula Magician of the Year at the Magic Castle. Mm-hmm. And I've been nominated like 15 times in a row. Mm-hmm. Every year I'm nominated. So it was a very difficult award to win. Mm-hmm. And the same year during COVID, I said, I win it. You did. I won it, and that <laughs> had, to be, had, had to be presented on Zoom. Uh-huh. That was a disappointment because mm-hmm. I really wanted to do it the, the, live. the other live because yeah. there's nothing beat live. Right. But still, no, I was really. It's the one award that I worked so hard to get, mm-hmm. and I finally got that award, so that was good. Wow. So, Is that your favorite room to work? Oh, deep room. It's the best room ever. Mm-hmm. If you've ever worked that room, it's like, it's like, because it's where you can best with people. Sure. You can't really get into some people on the stage as much. But no. that room, they're all yours. Well, the close-up gallery is good, too. I've, yeah. I've worked a close-up yeah, gallery close-up a lot. Gallery. I've never worked a close-up gallery. I, I, typically, that's where I work, and I worked in 1983 at the parlor, and I had, uh, and ever since then, I've always been back to the gallery. Yeah. And when I talked to Jack Oldfinger then recently, I said I'd like to come back to the parlor. It was forty years since I've been there. Yeah, see, so, that's but what I mean. went back. It's like, man, I feel like I'm home again. This is right. just feel. This, I've this never very worked a close-up room, and mm-hmm. I told Jack this year I think I'm going to work close-up. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Cool, we'll work close-up room." So it'll yeah. be my first time working close-up room. So much fun. And so much work. And uh, well, it is because <laughs> <laughs> you got to do maybe like four shows a day. Uh, that's correct, and, Whereas, and they never get they never get cancellations. Mm-hmm. See, upstairs you get cancellations. Well, in close up, also, I, every time I've been there, when I've worked the late shows, they say, "Well, there may not be a last show." No, there's always a there's last. Always like a the last show, and it's packed. And there's people there. Yeah, they won't go home. No, it's after one o'clock, and they're still coming. Yeah. <laughs> And it's L.A. I mean, you know, come on. I know. And <laughs> what are you doing and tomorrow? And they, <laughs> Don't you have a job? <laughs> come on, people. And you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Things that happen in the night when drinking. Mm. Well, that was what, when I first worked there, the Bill Larson had said to me, you know, do you want to work early or late? And it was my first time I said, I don't know. And he said, well, the difference is the they're more attentive to you and, and, and during the, the early, early ones. Room. And then the later ones, you have to deal with people who have been a little bit inebriated. They, and he said, what kind of a crowd do you like? You know, and I, I kind of deal with both. And I like you know, messing with drunk oh, people. Well, then without, you need, you need, if you can stay up that late, it's late. Yeah, and I have worked them a lot. And so I, I, I anyhow, I do. It was, it was yeah, late bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you as know, I'm getting older, I, I like it, the early ones. I've done it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you, what do you have when you got two old people? Because I was supposed to be, I'm, I'm working with Rich Block last time. We were there in January. I was there in January. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with Rich Block. Like Rich is like 80 years old. So right you both want to do early. And we both want to do early. <laughs> but, you know, I got to bow down to my senior. Yeah. <laughs> and Rich is a buddy of mine. So yeah. like, hey, mine what too. I, what can I tell you? I said, okay, Rich. Yeah. You know. Him and Susan are so great. I used to spend a lot of time with uh, them at their house. And um, uh, I haven't seen him in so many years. So yeah. I, 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 I stopped him this morning before I came here. Well, when you talk to him next time, tell him hello for me. I will. We're going to be talking about... Uh, he wants me to go on. He wants me to go on a cruise. Well, that's right. He's booking those. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. It's, you know, we'll see. Ten days, fifteen days. I don't know. <laughs> what else you got to do? 
I have a lot to do. That's my problem. <laughs> I, I still work for Monday Night Magic right. and, and several other places. I still mm-hmm. work for Smoke and Mirrors and all the places. Yeah, when I come to the city, I always stay over at Michael Chout's house. There you uh, go. And, um, and I worked the uh, Monday Night Magic then one time, uh, and I've got one of the jackets. Oh, you got the jacket got, too. Got it right there. <laughs> Look, I'm going to show you this. Uh, oh yes, yeah. that's that's the jacket, all right. Yep. And uh, Michael had my uh, got my name, you know, on the front and everything then too. So because he said those are only for performers. <laughs> yeah, whatever you get, everybody everybody still don't have one of those. It's, is that right? Everybody don't have one of those. Mm. No, 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 no. I didn't know. I didn't know you had one because you got to make them up. They do. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, listen, I've enjoyed this. I can't believe it. I just looked at my watch and uh, holy moly, you know, that uh, runs this, this. This is how we work when I'm on stage. <laughs> well, exactly. They, give, they tell me 10 minutes. How is that possible? It's not. Yeah, so I'm going to do 10 minutes a night. <laughs> and I'm the closer. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like that kind of a thing where that you, it's, it's just organic and things happen. And, uh, yeah. and so I'm sure it's going to be a great well, show. This it's more too. realistic, more, mm-hmm. more happening with the people instead of being stiff and everything like that. right i don't like having an agenda no agenda. exactly yeah. let it flow right let it flow. thanks man the one thing i do want to ask you as we close and the name of my podcast is called the magic word podcast so i always ask my guests what is your philosophy of life what is it you live by that's important to you i think it's very important for me to be happy uh if i'm not happy i can't make nobody else happy i mm-hmm. used to tell my wife that too listen when i come home you want me to be happy Mm-hmm. It's very important that I'm happy because if I'm happy, I can make you happy. Yeah, you know, it don't take much to make me happy. I'm a very simple person, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I, when I was a kid, I didn't have enough toys as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Now I buy everything, <laughs> everything. I got toy, I got trains, planes, yeah. boats, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I enjoy just getting up and having free time. Mm-hmm. So I picked out a career that gives me free time. I don't want to have a show 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. So we say, oh, I got 365 days show. Then you're doing something wrong. You don't want to be David Copperfield. What, right. You know? What you want <laughs> is to have 10 shows and make it just enough money and mm-hmm. have all this free time. Mm-hmm. I like my time to sit around, talk to people, go see friends, do it. Just sure. comfort. I, working is fun when I do it, but I don't want to do it all the time. <laughs> so every week I do network. I work right now. Right now, I work probably right 10 times a month. Okay. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, I like getting up at 11, 12, 1 o'clock. This is too early right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, when I called you at 1130. <laughs> there you go. You and, I, and I was just going, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was my first feeling. Was, Why is he calling me this early? <laughs> but I'm good now. Well, what so time do you go to bed at night? Last night I went away at 4. Okay. Yeah. But that's normal hours for me. Oh. And when I'm home, same thing. I go to bed around 2. Because I don't go to bed until about I'm, 11. I'm usually. playing games. Mm-hmm. I have games. I have lots of games. I got, you got... You know, I got Oculuses. I got. I, I, I'm. I'm. A, I, I enjoy. I don't drink and I don't smoke. Mm-hmm. My biggest vice is toys. Mm. I like toys. I like Pac-Man's. I like things like that. Interesting. I just like to play with stuff like yeah. that. Electronics. I love electronics. Boy, yeah. There's been a, really a boom in that of late then as well. Yeah, I like electronics. Well, thank you very much. And I think as that's a, a great uh, philosophy. Then also is just uh, be happy so you can make other people happy. And you you don't know when the day is going to end. So every day, get up and enjoy that day. That's right. You never know. You don't know when it's going to end. Because eventually, you're going to be right. Eventually, you're going to be right. Kiss, <laughs> kiss your wife, hug your kids, and do something good for yourself. And tell everyone you love them. And tell everyone you love them. There you go. You know, same philosophy. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> so for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Chris Capehart. This is Scotty Out. 
Wow. Thanks very much, Chris. That was a great conversation, and I enjoyed getting to hang out with you for an hour and have just an exclusive time to uh, chat, just the two of us. That was so much fun, and I learned a lot there, too. And I hope that you, the listener, got as much out of it as I did. That was a lot of fun. Well, I want to again remind everybody about the Magic at the Beach that's going to be coming up next week. And so we'll be providing you with daily coverage from that convention, as we always do when we attend Magic conventions. We give you those reports and updates uh, with conversations from some of the organizers, talents, and registrants, and the dealers. So you get a general idea and flavor of what it's like to attend the convention if you can't make it. But hopefully you'll come out uh, early, play a little bit of golf, or stay late and play a little bit of golf, and enjoy Magic at the Beach. And, of course, more information at magicatthebeach.org. So, until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to do something good for yourself and tell everyone that you love them. This is Scotty Out. Scotty Out.